How many of you have seen the commercials, like they're advertising products that promise like a, a miracle? Uh, you, you hear about the product and what they're trying to sell, and you go, that just sounds too good to be true. Do you know the kind of commercials I'm talking about? They, they usually start out, uh, and you have a, a shot of a person that kind of needs the product, you know. And then you'll hear the announcer's voice come over and say something like something like this. Are you tired of stubborn belly fat? Are you tired of missing meals so you can fit in your favorite clothes? Are you tired of late nights at the gym and seeing little or no results? Well, my friends, we have a solution that you've been waiting for. Imagine sleeping in, imagine eating all the fast food you want, and still having rock-hard abs. You think no way? Well, think yes way. For a limited time, you can get a bottle of Miracle Trim and Slim. Now, these two pills, they will take you from this, think horrible, to this. Call now. First 50 callers get not one, not two, not three, but four bottles, four months supply. And this low, low price of 19 what? 95 plus shipping and handling. Call 1-800-MIRACLE-TRIM and slim. And then you have that monotone voice that comes over and they say it really fast. They go, money back guarantee in some states, not guaranteed to work with everyone. But buy it now. Call 1-800-MIRACLE. 1-800-MIRACLE. Slim and trim. Call now. Operators are standing by. You know commercials like that, right? We live in this world that we're always looking for a quick fix. We're always looking for the miraculous, the easy way sometimes. I mean, how many of you know someone that is always jumping in on the latest get-rich-quick scheme. They're always buying into the latest weight loss program. They're always buying the crazy gadgets on TV that promise so much, deliver so little. I mean, how many, how many know someone like that? All right, if they're here this morning, just point them, you know, point them out. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. My mom said never point. Um, but we live in a culture that is looking that is searching for that quick fix. And today we're going to talk about a guy that was looking for a miracle. He was looking for a miracle. John starts, he says, Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there in Jerusalem, near the Sheep's Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. Jesus was coming back to Jerusalem. He'd been there many times. He's going into the city by the Sheep's Gate, we're we're told. It's an area of the city, Bethesda. It was an area where there were a couple pools. There was this uh, covered colonnade, Scripture says. I want you to think uh, like really large, nice cabanas, okay? That's, that's the picture here. Jesus sees hundreds, 
maybe thousands of people that are gathered here. He sees blind people. He sees people that are paralyzed. He sees people with all kinds of physical challenges. They're laying around waiting. What were they waiting for? Well, there was an urban legend in that day. In that day, the the legend was that an angel would fly over once in a while and would go down and stir the water in the pool. And the first person that could get in the pool was healed. And so that had went throughout the countryside. And so people came from all around Israel, maybe came from other countries. And they were there waiting and hoping that the water would begin to move, that maybe, just maybe, today's the day I get a miracle in my life. That was the situation. I remember uh, when I was in college, um, it was a little scary. We were all studying for ministry, and uh, uh, we did crazy things. But I had a good friend, and his name was Thorny. That was his nickname. His real name was John. And um, he was born blind. And Thorny, to this day, I I look back and I think, he he was an amazing guy. I remember one uh, Christmas break, he went skiing with a bunch of guys. And he didn't just go along for the ride. He went skiing. And he'd come back telling all about it. And uh, my good friend of mine, uh, Sean, he was a, a hunter. And so during hunting season one year, Thorny, Thorny says, well, can I go hunting with you? And Sean's like, sure. And so get this, Thorny bagged a deer. Sean did not. And trust me, he was a good friend, and we harassed him for years. Uh, still, still would harass him about it, uh, given the opportunity. I remember one uh, evening, it was real late at night. We were kind of getting hungry, and so we thought we'd run down to Huck's. And so I turned to Thorny. I said, you want to drive? And uh, he's like, sure. So he drove to Huck's. Now, please hear me. Do not do this. The, the dumb idea. Dumb, 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 dumb idea. Okay? I'm not suggesting it. But that's what we did. And so he, he drove down. We got pizza. We came back. And we're playing cards. And Thorny always, just about any time he won, he, he would beat us all. We didn't even know what had happened to us. And, uh, but uh, we're playing cards, and so there comes a point, and everything kind of shifts. We'd been having fun, and I, I go, hey, Thorny, can I ask you something? How are you able to do all the things you do? And he was like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, you're blind, and you don't let that keep you from doing anything. And no kidding, he got up out of his chair, and he's going, I'm blind? I didn't have any idea I was blind. Call the doctor, I'm blind. And he's running into stuff, and he's just laughing. And then it got really serious, because, and I'll never forget this. He's like, Damon, I'm blind. He says, you're tall and goofy, from what everybody says. Sean can't hunt. But here he gets to it. He says, Damon, we all have our challenges. We all have our handicaps in life. The only difference between you and me is everybody can see mine. And you can hide yours. And here 
here's what I want to ask you today. What is your handicap in life? What is your challenge? What is your struggle in life? What is it? I want you to identify it. I want you to think about it as, as we talk today. You know, maybe, maybe you're spiritually blind in your life. Maybe the fact is that God's been trying to call you, been trying to draw you, and you're just not seeing it. You're not paying attention. Maybe you don't realize that God created you fearfully and wonderfully, that he gave you gifts, he gave you a purpose in this life. Maybe you're not being the person that God has called you to be and desires you to be. I mean, maybe, maybe you're struggling with sin. Maybe it's messing you up. Maybe not only is it destroying you, but it's destroying the people that you love. Some of you, maybe you're carrying just a heavy burden. It's getting really difficult to get around. Maybe you're living with a brokenness in your life. Maybe... Maybe you've been sexually abused. Maybe you've been physically abused. Maybe emotionally abused. You know, maybe maybe you've been cheated on. Maybe someone that you love a lot betrayed you. Maybe you find you're just unhappy all the time. And you just can't get past it. That happiness seems to be elusive. Maybe you're spiritually paralyzed in a way and you've hit a point in your life where you're looking at everything and you're going, this, this is it. This is it. There, there has to be more to life than this. Maybe you're stuck in a situation. Maybe it's a financial situation. Maybe it's an addiction in your life. Maybe you feel like life's going in reverse. And for some of you, maybe you're just afraid. You're afraid that, so afraid of what's going on that it, it's consumed you. In fact, fear has invaded and you just can't shake it. You're just paralyzed. People were gathered around this pool. They're hurting. I'm going to guess most of the people had a, a physical healing that they needed in their life. But I want to guess also that there might have been a few people that just life had beat them to death and they needed something. Scripture says a man was laying there who'd been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw the man and knew that he'd been sick for such a long time, Jesus is walking He's seen all these people. Can you imagine? He's seen people that, that have been struggling in their life, and they are waiting. They're waiting for just that opportunity to have healing in their life. Jesus spots this guy. He's been there 38 years. Apparently, Jesus, maybe he saw something that told him this guy's been this way for a long time. Maybe the Holy Spirit spoke to Jesus, and he realized that this guy had been, I don't know, but most of his life. Maybe something happened when he was young, a disease, an accident. But it says, Jesus asked him, do you want to be well? 
do you want to be well? Now, I will tell you, years ago, when I read this story for the first time, and I got to that part in Scripture, do you want to be well? I'm thinking that's the dumbest question I've ever heard. You know, that's the question? You, you, do you want to be well? I'm thinking, come on, this guy has been struggling for 38 years with whatever it was. And in that day, th- this guy, I, I'm sure, wasn't able to keep a regular job. He, he, he needed help getting around and doing most things. There, there was no accessibility in those days. In fact, I doubt that he had any opportunities. Maybe a few, maybe none. And Jesus asked him, do you want to be well? That just sounds strange, doesn't it? And then it kind of hit me. Jesus is asking this guy if he wants to be well because this guy has grown comfortable with that situation. And I believe just as Jesus approaches this man, And he says, do you want to be well? I believe he approaches you and me this morning. Wherever we're sitting, whatever we're dealing with. And I think he asks that same question. Do you want to be well in your life? Do you want to be well? Or or have you gotten comfortable? Have you gotten comfortable with the situation? Have you gotten comfortable with the the blindness? Have you gotten comfortable with the struggles, with the apathy, with the negativity in your life? Have you gotten comfortable with superficial relationships, maybe with, with your kids or subpar marriage, huh? Have you gotten comfortable? Have you gotten comfortable doing the things that it used to break your heart, still breaks God's heart? But you do it and it no longer phases you? How comfortable have you gotten in your life? How comfortable? I'm always uh, interested in uh, new words. I make up words by accident. My wife says I grew up in the wrong family and we mispronounce everything under the sun. So I I just go, oh, that's a new word that people are using these days. But... uh, I like I like new words. You know, someone says a word and and then it gets some traction and starts becoming common. And then finally, Webster will anoint that word and make it a true word, like uh, ginormous. You know, it's uh, uh, gigantic and enormous put together. Uh, another one that uh, got some traction a few years back was hinky. You know, it means strange or unusual. Uh, uh, those that are Uh, kind of trivia buffs, uh, that was first used in the movie The Fugitive. And then David Letterman goes, let's make this a word. And so he got on a kind of a campaign and and made it mainline. He started hearing it on TV all the time and stuff. I think there's some words that have possibilities today, like uh, parentnoid. That's the fear of becoming your parent. I always tell people, I jumped right over my parents to my grandpa. I became my grandpa. But, uh, you know, how about uh, yoga? It's the only guy in the yoga class, you know. <laughs> this one I, I like. I actually think it would make a good sermon series. It's uh, crapitite. 
It's craving things that are really worthless. <laughs> you think I'm kidding, right? <laughs> Play joyism. It's people that steal joy. And there's hyperfiniac. These are people that know they're sick and they keep saying, I'm fine. How are you? I'm fine. How are you doing? Fine, fine, fine. Do you want to be well in your life? Because that is a good question. The, the longer I have worked with people and spent time with people that are battling through what, whatever, I, I find there's no such thing as a dumb question. Do you want to be well? See, I've learned there's a lot of hyperfiniacs in life. I mean, they know they're sick. They know that they're struggling. They know that there's a problem. They know that things could be better in their life, but they don't want to get better. They don't want to get well. They, they just don't want to be healed because they've gotten comfortable with whatever it is. Gotten comfortable sitting where they're sitting. Everything's staying the same. Do you really want to be well? It's a good question. And I know as I say that, for, for some of you, if you were honest, you would look at me and say no. I mean, you say no by making excuses for why you don't change or why you don't work on something. You know, do you want to be well? No, I, I know that what God wants is 100%. I just want to give 50%. Do, do you want to be well? I don't know. And you're bound by fear. Fear that you cannot change, that life will never change. Do you want to be well? I'm not sure. I have been battling and struggling for so long. I'm just tired. This guy once is asked, do, Jesus asked him, do you want to be well? Do you want to be well? I remember several years ago, I was um, talking with a guy, and we got, we were kind of connecting, and he started telling me his life story. And just in a nutshell, and we understand this conversation was over, you know, a couple years of time. He'd kind of fill in other pieces, but he basically said he grew up in a home where he was physically abused. In fact, it was off the charts in his home and that he, on a daily basis, had a childhood that was just, let's just say it was twisted. Most of his adult life, he said he battled with, with anger. He battled with bitterness. And I can remember those, again, this is several years ago, I can remember him saying how he just longed to, to not be burdened with all this garbage in his life and all these issues. 
and that he'd done everything he could think of and he just couldn't shake it. Fast ramp that forward more recently. He caught me and he said, you know, Damon, you know know my story. He said, I finally got serious about trying to get through the the pain, trying to overcome the the anger and the bitterness and, and stuff. And he told me how he'd been reading his Bible and that every night before he went to bed that he would pray and he would pick out something in his life that had happened that had had just become horrible uh, in, in his mind, in his life. And he said, I would give that toxic stuff to Jesus Christ one piece at a time over a long period of time. I mean, I think a couple of years he, he kept at this. And here's what he said to me. He's like, Damon, you know my battle. You know how long I've been battling this. I want you to know that I'm free of all that stuff. And I was just like, yes, God, yes. Jesus Christ has the ability to free us, has the ability to heal us, to reconcile whatever's going on in our lives. You know, Exodus 15, it says, For I am the Lord who what? Heals you. Jehovah Rapha in the Hebrew. The Lord, our healer. Jesus is a spiritual surgeon in life. He does it with grace. He does it with mercy. He does it with love. He does it with compassion. And here's what I want you to remember today. If you don't remember anything else I say, that is Jesus Christ can heal you, can heal your situation, whatever it is you're going through. You know, Dr. Phil can't do it for you. Oprah can't heal you. Money can't heal you. Relationships can't heal you. You know, drugs and sex and alcohol and all that stuff that the world turns to absolutely can't heal you. Only Jesus Christ can. Only Jesus Christ. A couple um, months ago, I was hanging out with my grandkids and... uh, you know, they, they keep me full of uh, stories, and they also breathe a lot of life into me. But we got talking. We got talking about how big is God? How big is God? And uh, Ethan, he, he jumped in right away. He goes, well, Grandpa, he's bigger than you are. Isabella, she kind of takes charge of everything. She's the oldest. And she's like, he's seriously bigger than Grandpa. God is bigger than the world, Ethan. And then Naya, she's about two, and the kids are kind of going bigger, bigger. You know, they keep saying things. And, and finally, Naya, and I know she, I, I don't think she understood really what we were talking about, but she heard the word bigger a lot. And so she just jumped in the middle of it. She goes, bigger, 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 bigger. And uh, then the kids go, well, he's not just bigger, he's, he's taller. He's, he's taller than buildings and clouds and what have you. And Dason, uh, he, he's four. Dason, finally, he goes, to embassy and beyond, Grandpa. And I think he meant uh, infinity, but um, Buzz Lightyear thing. How big's your God? 
No, how, how big is your God? Jesus walks up to this guy. And he says, do you want to be well? Now, I want you to think about this. You have the creator and the sustainer of the universe. He is standing right in front of you. This is your chance. This is what you have wanted for most of your life. And it says, the sick man answered, Sir, there's no one to help me get in the pool when the water starts moving. While I'm coming to the water, someone else gets in before me. Think about that for a minute. Creator of the universe is talking to you. I feel a couple things in that. One, I, I, I sense the pain, the frustration. I, I can feel some of, some of the hurt. But I also hear a little bit of whining going on. You know, the, the fact is, he's had to watch life pass him by. He's been in this situation so long and everything just has come to one reference point and that's him. It starts with him. It ends with him. Do you you catch that there? He says, no one will help me. When I try to get there, people cut in front of me. Me, me, I, me, me. And it's interesting because the challenge... The challenge has gotten so big. The situation has gotten so big. The condition has gotten so big that he can't see that Jesus Christ is right there in front of him. Sometimes uh, I'm watching TV and um, I'm kind of like interactive with TV. How many of you do that? You watch a show and you start talking to the show, you know, like a real high intense show. And, and you're like, get him, get him, get him, get him, get him. You know, watch out, watch out, watch out. They're around the corner, watch out. Oh, crush him, get him. I'm reading scripture. And I do that. Down at my desk, all by myself, open the Bible and I start reading, and I start interacting with it. I'm reading this story. I get to this point, and I'm like, open your eyes. Open your eyes. What is wrong with you? Are you clueless or what? Listen to the question that Jesus Christ is asking you. He says, do you want to be well? How big is your God? Psalmist writes, it says, the sky was made at the Lord's command. By the breath from his mouth, he made all the stars. He gathered the waters of the sea into a heap. He made the great ocean stay in its place. All the earth should worship the Lord. The whole world should fear him. He spoke and it what? And he commanded and it what? Appeared. That's how big God is. He speaks, it happens. He commands, it appears, let there be light, and there was light. God created everything. He sustains everything. God controls absolutely everything. God owns everything. He knows everything. He knows how many hairs you have on your head and how many on mine, and no jokes. Uh, 
God never worries. God's never surprised. And get this, God is bigger than your biggest problem. And I know as I say that, some of you are going, yeah, but Damon, I want to talk about me. I want to talk about what I'm going through. And I want to talk about, I just can't break this this problem that's going on. Damon, you, you don't know. You don't know how painful it is. You don't have any idea of how terrible the divorce was. You do not understand how big the situation and how bad it is. And I want to say to you, how big is your God? You don't know. You don't know my past, Damon. You don't know the horrible things that I've done. How big is your God? You don't know what I'm battling. You don't know how long I have struggled. You do not have a clue how many times I have failed and fallen on my face. How big is your God? Because he's bigger than all your problems. He's bigger than your situation. He's bigger than your sin. He's bigger than your struggle. He is bigger than anything you can throw at him. I don't care what it is. How big is your God? Here's another question for you. What's God telling you to do? Jesus spots this guy. Asks him, do you want to be well? And then after some kind of whining excuses, Jesus looks this guy in the eyes. The scripture says, then Jesus said to him, pick up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. And he picked up his mat and he walked. I find it very interesting when I read that because Jesus does not ask him anymore. He doesn't ask him to get up. Hey, you interested in getting up? I mean, maybe Jesus was tired of the excuses. But Jesus commands him. He orders him. He says, get up. And this guy obeys. And he's healed. And it's a miracle. I'm going to guess he was able to walk and to run and to climb and to swim and maybe do things that he had never been able to do or had been a long time. He did that because he obeyed. And there, there is something that I've figured out in, in this life. And that is, as I've looked at God's word, as I have watched God move in my life and in the lives of other people, that obedience always precedes the miraculous in life. Obedience always precedes the miraculous. And here's something else I've figured out. Most of the time, people are not interested in obedience. Just want the miracle. That's not quite true, though. They are interested in obedience. But they're not interested in being obedient. They're just interested in God being obedient. Take this problem. Take this struggle from me, God. 
God, I, I need $5,000 to fall on my lap. God, I, I want you to do this. God, I am expecting you to do this. And the focus is on God being obedient. But there's a thread in Scripture. It's always there. Obedience before the miraculous. God told Moses, take off your shoes. Because he did, he became the leader of Israel, led him out of slavery. God told Noah, go build an ark. And even though it seemed crazy, made no sense, he did it and his family survived. In fact, you and I would not be here today had he not done that. God told Naaman to dip himself in the water seven times. He was a leper. His skin was falling off. And he did, and he was healed. God told Joshua, he said, Joshua, I want you to march around the walls of Jericho seven times, and I want you to get rid of the weapons and just take and break jars and blow trumpets. How about that for a game plan? He did, and the walls fell. Joshua was victorious. What's God calling you to do today? John 10, Jesus says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they what? Follow me. Christians, hear this. We have to become people that are intensely listening to the voice of God on a regular basis. And the question is, what's God saying to you today? What is God saying? Are you willing to follow him no matter how tough it gets, no matter how difficult it gets, no matter how hard it gets? Jesus Christ would say, get up, get up, get up. What's he telling you today? Notice I didn't say, what's he asking you? What's he telling you to do or not do in your life? You know, is he telling you to forgive someone? Is he telling you to go to someone and ask for forgiveness? You know, is he telling you to tear up the credit cards or, you know, to give the tithe? Is he telling you to walk away from an addiction, you know, to step away from a relationship that's not God honoring? You know, is God telling you to let go of the pain and the bitterness, to, to let go of, of getting even and, and the grudge? You know, is he telling you to break the back on pride in your life? Is God saying enough's enough? No more excuses? No more procrastination? You know, is it time to go back to school? Is it time to work on the marriage? Is it time to spend more time with your kids? Is it time for sexual purity? Is it time to get involved in a ministry? Is God saying it's time to be honest and truthful in everything that you do? Is it time to change jobs? Is it time to stop running with some crowd that you're running with? You know, is it time to seek help, to get counseling? For some of you, it may be, Time to to make a move, to get out of an abusive situation. You know, maybe get get married for others. Maybe it's to quit picking and choosing what we want from God's word. 
you know, for some of you, maybe it's time you just quit saying the right things and you start doing the right things in your life. And here's what I know. When you're willing to take that step, whatever it is God's telling you, when you take that step, you will watch the miraculous explode in your life. I've got a lot of uh, emails and had a lot of conversations since we started this series. And you know, it's kind of hit me that for some, this is simply a mental exercise that we like learning and we like these stories. Uh, we think these stories are kind of cool. But for some, it's much more than that. Because as we have been plowing through God's word, there's a sense that we desperately need miracles in our lives today. For some of you, you're sitting here right now. And you've been struggling for a long time. You've been waiting for the waters to stir. Waiting. Wishing. Hoping that maybe things could change. In the back of your mind, you figure they never will. For some of you, you are ready to get up and take your mat and walk. Jesus can change you. Jesus can change you. He can change your situation. He can change your condition. He can change your problem. He can change you. Do you want to be well? God is bigger than anything that you face. Absolutely anything. Anything you're up against, He's bigger. He cares about you. He loves you. He's going to do whatever He can to help you What's God telling you today? You know, for some of you, maybe you don't know. Spend time in God's Word. You need to get God's Word out and spend time in it. You need to spend time in in prayer. You need to talk to a mature Christian friend. Mature Christian friend. For some of you, maybe you just need to start with the first commandment. Put God first in your life. What's God telling you to do or not do? And be obedient and just do it. No more choices. No more options. No more excuses. Just, yes, God, no matter what, I will follow whatever you ask. I am all in. I am fully obedient. You can count on it. And friends, when you do that, then get prepared because the miraculous is turned loose in your life. Do you really, do you really want to be well? Let's stand for a word of prayer. You know that thing I told you to identify at the beginning? I want you to think about it while we're praying. And I'm just going to lead us in prayer, but you can voice here what it is that you need God to do in your life.
our holy God. You are the healer. You are the sustainer. You create, you recreate. You hold everything in your hands. God, I pray that you would hear the hearts right now. There are people that are longing for you to move in their family. They're longing to be well in their relationships, their vocation. Yeah, there are people here that long to be whole in, the, in their body. Yeah, there are some here today that have been battling a long time. Maybe it's just bad choices. Maybe it's an addiction that just got a hold of them and they can't break free. But God, we know you can set free. You can bring wholeness. You can bring wellness. God, I pray that... we would quit waiting. We'd realize that you are right in front of us. You're always there. That we would seek your hand. And when you say, get up, that we'd get up. We'd gather our mat and when we walk out of this place that We'd leave whatever, whatever that issue, whatever that struggle, whatever that worry is, that we would lay it all down for you here. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the encouragement and hope that we find there. You are our healer. And we give you the praise this day. Amen.